Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. Find it first on the Go Loud app and on all major podcast platforms. Do you want any teaspoons? Colin is very put out right now because I went to make a cup of tea and said, uh, where are my teaspoons? And he said, they're not in here. I said, are there teaspoons in your bedroom? There's one teaspoon. I don't know where they're gone. I was here on Friday. All my teaspoons are now gone. There's no teaspoons in my bedroom. I don't know where your teaspoons are. So now this is going to be the topic of conversation for the next week because somehow I've but insulted him. I gone? don't know. Somehow I've insulted his person. By, you haven't sold them. By, by, by questioning where the teaspoons are. And Laffy came in, he was wearing them as a necklace. It would not surprise me. He was like, uh, I had an idea for a craft. He said to me, should we don't drink tea or drink yogurts? Uh, or, there's no spoons because <laughs> I'm on the gear. There's actually no spoons in the house currently. So Sarah's on the gear. Um, well, no, that's not how you burn it. Should I put on a spoon? Or is this, uh, has the TV lied to me? No, so you do put, like most people would put tinfoil over the spoon. Oh. And you're like... That's my impression of a needle sucking up the heroin. Oh, like, so you put it on tinfoil and you burn underneath and you inhale the fumes with, like, a pipe. Oh, so you don't put it in, like, a a, a cigarette or a joint? No, so, like, that's why you see the news, like, big pens with no pen in them. Ah! Because you need, like, something to inhale. Do you know what they need, those big big pens for now? Um, Writing. Back to school. Back to school. Get off the heroin. Get off the gear. Get off the gear. On the methadone. Horrible joke. Well, I tell you what I want. Methadone. Mm. Uh, I didn't know this but there's a the, the thing that they put people on There's it's called foy yeah and so Colin was always people are always like oh foy to him yeah, but so I didn't know that I, I don't know, know why they call it foy because it's methadone mm. so maybe it's like a brand of it or something mm. is it but like in Valier you'd be like <clears throat> I'm on the foy no if she's on the foy she is God, methadone is scary heroin is terrifying heroin scares the fuck out of me it really does methadone is what they also put people on when they're t- taking them off um What's the hillbilly heroin? Oh, ox- oxytocin. Oxycodone? Oxycodone. Yeah. Yeah. They put them on methadone. Oh. Sorry. The thing that's like bizarre about oxycodone, but is it changes the brain makeup of... It changes the... How your brain works? No. It like physically changes oh. the frontal lobe in your brain. What the fuck? That's why it's so difficult to get off compared to heroin. And that's why there's so many people are ODing now. It takes it. like... It physically <clears throat> rewires the front of your frontal lobe, crazy. which means that like coming off, like you literally, you're like, your, you're, your body you, is you like, you're going, to, your body's like, you are going to, to die. die. Yeah. Um, That's so scary. And it's not like, so the heroin, I'm, I'm, I know that it doesn't change the DNA, like of your brain. It doesn't like rewire it as such, like all addicts have a rewiring that happens but like oxycodone physically that's insane changes the makeup of the, your frontal lobes so that's why when they're coming off they're like so sick and they think they're that's running. why they like genuinely are so sick and that's why they're like it's so incredibly difficult for people to get off it takes up to like kids. And, and you never 
you never ever go back to never. what it previously was like you can't like so I'm sure that's why there's a lot of relapse and stuff like that that is so there's yeah. something ridiculous like if you're it takes like nearly for people most people who have gotten off it it's taken like 13 full rehab attempts fuck me on average insane. for people to get off it like that entire thing in America, like that company the Purdue family mm. just like merged from hell millions climbed of up from hell to like, do what they did um, pure evil like pure evil and we're told like so, like there's so many documents that was like uh, just so you know this is like highly addictive like they changed the physical like they changed so like I in work I have to do like massive mental analytics and massive mental graph reading and they changed the graph and altered the shape of it that so that if you weren't someone who looked at data all day long and looked at data points it looks like a really normal curve yeah 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 but when you looked at the Y and X axis, they changed the data points. So the data points were really narrowly set. That's so weird. So what they did was essentially make it look like a curve when it actually wasn't. And when the FD, no, when the, I can't remember the guy's name, but when the people that were like investigating it went to like a data analyst, they were like, this is like, this curve is purposely misleading. misleading. And that's how they got them because they went to the FDA and the FDA were like, we never approved that graph. Fuck. Like we told them that the graph was physically misleading. Isn't it crazy that they just went ahead and massacred Yeah, but the people. FDA, the guy that like signed off on the patent and the like, the, because they got essentially, they got a special justification right. from the FDA outside of every other drug that's like that, okay. that said that it was not as addictive as um, morphine. That's fucked up, dude. And as other opioids. Um, and the guy who wrote that for the FDA, like four months later, went to work for Purdue for like... Shocking! Four times his salary. Shocking. And he sat in a room with Purdue for like three weeks in a hotel to tell them how to write their FDA application so they could get it through. These people are pure evil. Evil! Like they're actually pure evil. I was watching... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's my like random rant. No, but that's why when we were talking about drugs, it reminded me because I watched um, uh, that an episode of that show Euphoria. Oh yeah, they're all on drugs in that, aren't they? I was like, I have never felt so old in my entire life, and I don't think I've ever uttered the sentence that one needs a kick up the hole as many times <laughs> as I have in my entire life. Sarah, I was like, who's school experience? Who's who's doing this? But then I was like, maybe that maybe they were, and I was just a fucking nerd. Well, it's not set in our time. But not even that. Like, it's like, they're our age, though. When we when we were that age. Like, they would have been, like, they're 16 years old. And what year is it set in? Uh, it's set now. Oh, okay. But I'm like, is it that, is yeah. it that different? Like, yeah, drugs are in school, And man. I'm like, whose mom and dad are gone away? This is what, the, I think it's because I'm from the country. Mams and dads didn't go away for the weekend. My mum didn't go anywhere. So my house was never free for me to have a oh, party. Oh, my parents would have gone That didn't have exist. A party. Yeah, see, that didn't no, exist No, they wouldn't me. go away, but like, it'd be like, man and I are gone out, right? Everybody were in my gaff and then man and I come back at three o'clock in the morning and it'd be like, Enjoying oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, my parents were so terrible. My dad'd be like, <laughs> do you want daddy drugs? <laughs> but like, I was thinking, I was like, I mean, I was like, I never went, I never went to these what parties. What drugs are you on? That's what you'd say. I never went to parties. And then I was like, I was like, I never went to parties like this and then did a part of my brain went. It's because you weren't invited. 
I was like, like yeah, that makes more did. sense. Like, I haven't seen that show. Um, so I don't know if it's like a realistic like portrayal of like, oh, I think what's it's, happening it's obviously in uh, a, a dramatized ex- version. You know, an exaggerated idea. Yeah, but of what's I do happening. think that there's like, like I know when I was growing up, there was shit that we got up to as teenagers that we were at house parties. There was things going on where you'd be like. This is not good. Oh my god. Yeah, no, and then you'd wake up the next day and you'd be like, we made some poor decisions last night. I think I was just nerdy and I didn't do any of those things, but that's just, yeah, when I was watching. Because I, I didn't watch. Like, I didn't drink no, and I didn't take drugs. Neither did I. I didn't do anything. But I'd be at these things and being like, lads, these are all taking the piss I didn't now. drink until I was like 21, 20, 21, 20, maybe. I didn't touch alcohol. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do anything. So I think it's such a vastly different experience from anything like that. But just when I was watching, I was like, Jesus Christ, these 16 year olds, man. Mm. Getting fucking. Road from behind, like what's happening? What? Oh, when oh. I tell you, oh, I was like, they need a. Where's their parents? That's oh, what sure. I'm saying. Fuck it. Where are the parents? And then I was like, oh, their parents. Jeez, oh, like, throw parents, it into me. The parents were all alcoholics and stuff, so it's very odd. I did. I didn't. Really... Wa- I didn't watch it in succession. I didn't watch it, like. I just. I picked like one or two episodes because I was like, I'll just see what it's like. And I was like, no, this is not my. This is not my. Market. I started. Um, my market here. Pam and Tommy and Pam. I'm not watching that. Well, I tell you what. Because I feel bad for her. That's why I'm not watching it. So I'm going to take the moral high ground. Um, She didn't want it released and I feel really bad for her. Oh, you know, she wouldn't have wanted it released. No. No, she was like, please don't do this. Like, that was a horrific chapter of my life. She's portrayed as a moron. Yeah. I just felt really bad for her. Both of them are morons. Idiots. Like, they got married after four days. (laughs) Four days! Imagine ringing your mom being like, hey, so I met someone four days ago and we're married. Graham didn't know any of the story. So we, we, I said, do you want to check this out? And he was like, all right. And then I was telling them when, like, before we started watching. Did he not remember any of it? No, he was like, I don't know any of this. Oh. <clears throat> and I was like, these these people were, like, the most famous people. Oh, my God. I said, Pamela Anderson was the most famous person in they the world. They were. Like, I remember them being, just being everywhere. everywhere. Um, And when, it doesn't portray. Now, I'm only two episodes in. Yeah. Um, But, like, the first episode, he is an absolute asshole. Yeah. And in the second episode... It betrays both of them as morons. Yeah. I just think it's crazy because it's like the same thing with Kim Kardashian even. I don't I don't care about that yoke. But like the idea that somebody went into her house and stole her private property. They went into his house, yeah, and stole, stole the his private safe. property and put it on the fucking internet, man. Yeah. Like that's somebody like that's so messed up. That's breaking I don't believe so it went, many laws. Well now it is. I don't believe it went on the internet at the time. I think it was like distributed as a video. Yeah. Because what actually happened is people started to ask her, like, she was in an interview with Jay Leno and Jay Leno's like, So what did you like what do you think about the tape? Like, I can't believe that tape and she doesn't not know what he's talking about. Because the oh. internet wasn't is was in its infancy oh. and people were still watching like VHS pornography but like regardless because then everybody puts this judgment on her where I'm like that was a private moment mm. she didn't make that for anybody that was private yeah and you motherfuckers are out here acting like this girl was actively putting this shit out she wasn't you know and that's how she made her money but being being Pamela Anderson is how she made her money which is fine but like to be like oh we're just gonna talk about this and laugh about this and joke about this Dude, that, like, imagine that happening to mm. you. That's horrific. Um, and he's a fucking piece of shit as well. Like, so. I, and then I was saying to Graham, I was like, he he gave her hepatitis C and everything. Yeah. And Graham was like, what? Yeah, and I was did. like, yeah, she got hepatitis C and all from him. He's gross. Um, gross. He's really gross in the thing. Like, he's a, he come, he <laughs> is an absolute idiot in it. Um, it's an interesting story, and I didn't really know the ins and outs of all the details. And then the other thing I was saying to Graham, 
Because Graham was like, is this true? And I was like, if it's not true, why haven't they sued? Exactly. But yeah, that's the thing. They can't sue for defamation if the story is true. Yeah, and the, the story is fucking horrendous. But I do understand that she was like, I don't want this released. He owed oh. this guy like 18 or 19 grand, put him into like an af- as- absolute hole. Yeah. And then the guy was like, I need you to pay. So this guy's a carpenter. That's where the story starts. Yeah. He was like, I need you to pay me up front. And he was like, I'm good for the money. So he goes out and buys like all of it. Because now he wants like a water bed essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes out and buys like all the shit. And then Tommy, he goes down and says like, I need you to pay me. And Tommy Lee comes in and he's like, I'm not paying you any money. And removes them from the property. Doesn't give them any of their equipment yeah. back. And then this guy comes back the next day to get his toolbox. And Tommy Lee puts a shotgun to his head. <laughs> and he's like, "Get the! F- you're not getting any of, my- any of your property because you left me in the lurch. And the guy's like, you fired me. You didn't pay me. And he's like, you you fired me. Yeah. And um, he's like, don't come back here. And the guy like wets himself. He's so terrified. Oh, Jesus. And then, now, then out of that, and out of the, woman the guy is the guy's plan is that he's gonna like get his money's worth back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes in and removes a safe in the dead of night, and they they're like so unaware, like they don't notice that the the safe, the safe is gone. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's drugs? an entire safe. Is that drugs? Oh yeah, they're all yeah. both on drugs. Um, and then it's like he goes, he finds the tape, and he finds other things, but like the tape is what he finds. He goes, he was in porn previously. Okay. And he goes to like a pornography to place to look. Can you play this tape for me? A guy he knows. And the guy's like, yeah. And they're watching through and they're like, that's Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee having sex. Oh, no. And that's where the first like inclination of like... People are gross. Anybody that would find something like that and think I'm going to make money. Like you're fucking gross. Mm-hmm. You're a disgusting human being. Nowadays you wouldn't make money off it, would you? No, I don't think so. So you just go on the But internet. like that's what people just, like that thing. That's why revenge porn's illegal. Yeah, but. and it's the thing where people were leaking nudes from famous women like yeah. a ago, remember that? Um y'all are people are fucking disgusting. Like mm. they're vile. Um but it's anyway, a really interesting story. Don't and the kids. thing that about it that I was like when Graham was like, This can't be real, I was like, Well, why didn't they sue them? No, no, it is real. Mm. That's not why she didn't want it released. She didn't want it released because it was like an incredibly difficult time in her life and people are making jokes about it, which I completely get. Mm. You know, people are like yucking it up about the fact that he had a big penis and she blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, it doesn't... That's just have a ridiculously ginormous... Like, I just felt... I, I genuinely feel for her, like... And I say, Kim, I hate Kim Kardashian and I hate every single Kardashian on the planet, but I feel for what was done to her because... And Paris Hilton the same. Because... Oh, yeah. Wasn't that guy that did the Paris Hilton one do the Kim Kardashian one too? No idea. No, that was Ray. Was wasn't he involved? Oh, in like releasing it? Probably. Um, he is a fucking scumbag and every... They had him on like late night shows. Talk shows. Oh yeah. But interviewing like, him. I was like, what the fuck? He, he literally just released this tape of this girl who did not consent to have it released. No. There was no consent. And when you say like if somebody did that now, they'd be fucking annihilated. Like it's changed so drastically in the last. Think they'd be an island? Yes, in the last fifteen years, yes, absolutely. Like I think they'd be an island by like a certain side, but I I think there'd be other side that's. Oh, there's always going to be gross people who are like yeah, rah, rah, rah. but I think morally now they would not have a man on a talk show who released yeah. a sex tape Jay Leno, of another girl. Jay Leno's entire career, yeah. Was literally like Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, he was sensationalist. Like, Pam, like Mon- the jokes he told about Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Perfect. Like, I like you. You listen to Monica Lewinsky. I listened to a podcast with her recently, and you listen to her talk, and she's such an astute, intelligent woman, who was 
absolutely mistreated by the yeah. most powerful man in the world when she was 22 years 22 of age. 22 years of age. And used as a scapegoat. Mm. And his shitbag of a wife annihilated her character as well. And I'm like, it's not the first person he was riding Hillary yeah. and it wouldn't be the fucking last. Off to Epstein's Island you go. Like... Fuck Jesus, we're there now already. Fuck them. Jesus, we've gone from Euphoria to Epstein's Island. Epstein's Island. How did we get there so fast? Listen, Annie. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Someone said thank you to me for making them realise that their husband's normal. (laughs) What did he do? Because I said that Graham never organises or plans anything. Oh, oh! There's tons of men like that. And they were, and this girl was like, "Thank you so much." I I thought that he just, uh, didn't want to hang out with me. Is what she said. No, like, no. Also, uh, not to be, but they need to make more effort. Yeah, it's not an excuse. They need to make more effort. If you don't, if you feel underappreciated, that's not okay. But that was really. I've no other housekeeping. I have no housekeeping. I nothing has been happening. There's um, a thank great you to- uh, Galentine's card. Galentine's, are you in the raw? Because you make me weak in the knees. Oh. I love it. I love it. Um, and then some people online are organising a meetup. Best of luck. Yeah, Emma will not be there. I am. Cur- <laughs> I am currently dead, so I um, will not I be think, attending. Depending on when it is, we might be in New York. Oh, okay. Um, but Colin is. I'm gonna take off coming. my brass, Sarah. Jesus, it's happening. Oh, it's the moment I've been waiting for all my life. Take your knickers off too. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, best of luck, lads. I hope it's a lovely meetup. You should get locked and eat ice cream. I don't think I have any other... Do you have any from the Instagram? Uh, no, nothing's really been happening. Um, we've just been doing... People have been sending their lovely messages. And, oh, actually, hold on. I do have something. Oh, <laughs> that's the stuff. Uh, so there's a group, a wonderful, amazing group called... Uh, R-O-S-E-A, the Social Feminist Lim- uh, in Limerick. And basically what's happening is they have been organising in the last little while um, marches and protests about um, gender violence. Oh, yeah. Um, and what's happened is one of the founders of R-O-S-E-A, um, I think it was last March, I think her name is Ashley O'Keefe. Let me just double check. Yeah, Ashley O'Keefe, uh, O'Keefe organised a march with Rossa. And um, it was a quiet march. There was no protesting. It was just a couple of people standing around with signs just basically saying we need to do something about gender violence. And she was arrested and fined. What was she arrested for? Because they said that she was disturbing the peace, I presume. That's How? What it probably was. She wasn't. Um, so they have been organising to pay her her legal fees. And their Instagram account is, uh, it's just R-O-S-A Limerick, L-I-M-E-R-I-C-K. And if you can go there, I've already donated, but if you can go there, if any of you have an extra few euro lying around, or if you can't, if you just can spread the word, um, they have a GoFundMe on their bio and you can help out. Um, so it's absolutely horrible what's happening. And basically for a bunch of women, just because it's so funny with the art, because this was last year this happened. And then Ashling Murphy was murdered. And then all the government are like, this is disgraceful. Oh, it's shocking. We can't believe this. We stand with women. But you didn't stand with women 12 months ago um, when you arrested somebody for peacefully protesting in Limerick after Sarah Everard was murdered. So fuck the government, to be perfectly honest with you. And if you can help them, please do. They're still organising. Um, they're still doing a lot of really, really good work. But it's R-O-S-A Limerick, if you can have a look. Um, because I they were in contact with me and... Um, they're very, very lovely people. They were in contact with you. Yeah, yeah. They messaged us on, on Instagram. There's a lovely girl. Uh, what's her name? Steph Lacey is her name. 
um, and she just messaged me about it and she was like if you can so they were having a meeting a while ago but I didn't see the message and then I was like I'm so sorry and um, then she let me know that there was a few other kind of meetups going on so if you go on their Instagram account you can find out how you can help or get involved and they're doing a lot of really good work because it's, they're not pandering and they're not it's not buzzwords and it's not a hashtag it's literally like we have to do something about this mm. so their JX Walmart are Ross I think it's Ross's they pronounce it I'm not sure but R-O-S-A Limerick Give them an owl goo. Should we, should we have anything, do you have anything else? Beautiful. That's really nice. That noise? Yeah. It's really nice in the The battery's dying. It is. Sarah's playing with a drill, by the way, if you're wondering what that is. Not that you're going to hear this, Colin's going to cut that out. Will he? Were you playing with a fucking drill? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to be. You can run into my room tomorrow morning now. Are you playing with a fucking drill? Um, what are you doing? I have nothing else. I literally have no nothing. more news. I have nothing. nothing I'm very excited about your story. I honestly, today, all day, I was like, oh, I'm really excited about hearing this story. I wonder if you know it. You might know it. Attention, feminists. Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain, boring old teas getting you down? Hey, buddy, does your honey scream fuddy-duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com. Um, okay, so we better start this because it's fucking quarter to nine at night. So, I'm not trying to kick me out. I'm not trying to kick you. I'm trying to get this done. Yeah, well, like, why are you in a hurry? I had a very emotional day in work today. I'll tell you about later. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you sure? It's too late now, isn't it? We're in the middle of the podcast. Can't tell you. No, no. Tell me, no, <laughs> no tell me after. But do tell me after. I was only winding you off. Oh, okay. Oh, All right, Jesus. If did something happen, flowers. You tell me. Oh, nice. Look at you yeah. getting flowers. Because I put so many penises in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> A flower for every penis. <laughs> And rose for every penis. Um, so, I'm going to start this. This is a shocking story. I can't be laughing. Um, so, the other day, I was looking for stories to do. This is a murder most international. And I was like, I want to do something weird. So, there's this website called allthatsinteresting.com. And they have, like, tons of stories. And it's very good. It's not just murders. It's everything. Yeah. Um, and I was on that. And I was Googling, looking down through. And I found... Um, I've a story about James Jameson, who James was Jameson. the heir to the. This isn't this isn't, isn't what this story is, but I just told Sarah and she was like, "What the fuck?" I was absolutely appalled. Um, James Jameson, and he was the heir to the Jameson whiskey fortune, and there was a story about him that I'd never heard before. Where was he? Which was deeply shocking. Um, I can't remember exactly where he was, but he was off in the the rainforest somewhere. Um. And I don't know if anybody knows the story. I'm sure people do know this story. I don't think people do know this I story. I hadn't heard this because ever before. Because I worked for Jemson for years. Yeah, and that's why I told and you. And I did not know this story. I was story. like, Sarah needs to know this story. So and I love that brand. I love Jameson. So basically the story goes, it'll be very quick. Uh, James James Jameson went on an expedition with a bunch of actual people that could do an expedition. As you do. But he was rich and they were like, right, bring him along. He'll pay for everything, which he did. Um, so were these people like we want to go on an expedition they were just but going, sure we need somebody to fund it basically and he was really into art and watercolours and he loved painting and he thought maybe he could go to the rainforest of wherever and do some painting and then they were like this got up shite nobody's doing but he's got money 
Young fella's got money, so bring him. Ah, sure, bring so him along. he paid for everything, basically, to bring them along. Um, but he had a little penchant for cannibalism. Uh, cannibalism and was very much interested in cannibalism. And one of the things that he wanted to do was to paint somebody being cannibalized. That was like something that he wanted to do. Did he paint the picture? I don't know. Because he was fucked in the head. No other reason. And um, so the story goes, well, the story does go because he wrote to his wife and told her what happened. Oh yeah, this is being confirmed. Yeah, uh, that he said to the guy that was leading the expedition, listen, is there any way you could get somebody, a tribe, a cannibalistic tribe to eat somebody in front of me and I can paint it? So the guy was like, okay, took him for his word. They went to a local village. They spoke to the tribes people in the local village um, and asked them for a sacrifice. This is bananas. This is insane. The village gave them, these expeditioners, including James Jameson, a 10-year-old girl. In exchange, the payment was five white handkerchiefs. What? Like, as in five white? Five white handkerchiefs was what they paid for this 10-year-old girl. I don't understand why, like, why? So they weren't, like, paying in money. They didn't, they didn't accept, they didn't take money. It wasn't, like, a thing that they could hand them $100. What are they going to do with money? So they were like, in exchange for this child, what do you have? And he was like, I have five white handkerchiefs, like, silk handkerchiefs. So gave it to these people. Uh, They gave them a 10-year-old girl who arrived with her hands tied behind her back, completely mute, not speaking, terrified, didn't know what was happening. Uh, was obviously pretty aware that she was being made a human sacrifice because that was obviously a thing that was going on at that time. So the leader of the expedition then brought them to a village of cannibals and said, this guy here wants to paint this stand-up dude. a child being cannibalized. Can you help? And they were like, sure. So they stuck a knife in her heart twice. She fell to the ground and they all came around and chopped up her body as these people watched and then brought her body parts to the river to the wa- to wash them and then cook her. This entire thing is insanity. And James Jameson said to his wife, it was the most horrific thing that he'd ever seen and he never wants to experience it again. And he also told her that he thought it was a joke and that he was just joking when he said it and he didn't think they'd follow through. So he couldn't stop it. But yet you handed over the five silk handkerchiefs yeah. for a 10-year-old girl. So what did you think was going to happen? So... On that note, that website was where I found this next story, um, which is that's, that story is fucking bizarre. Like I only t- I told Sarah straight away because Sarah used to work for Jameson, and I was like, "Have you I, fucking I heard about genuinely this?" Genuinely, was like, um, "I'd never heard about this before in my life." I went <gasps> um, in the middle of my office, <gasps> and everybody was like, "What?" And I was like, uh, "I can't tell you what this my weird can't tell you what I'm freaking I can't out tell about you here. what my weird friend just sent me in the middle of the day." <laughs> So on that website, I also found this story, um, which is really interesting. And this story is, you might, it's about the murder of a lady called Barbara Daly Bakeland. And I got my information from that that website, allthatsinteresting.com. I also got information from Wikipedia. I got information from thefamouspeople.com, from murderpedia. And I know I hate saying this, but there was a really good article in the Daily Mail uh, from 2008 and the guy who Once wrote it is an actual author so it's a good fucking article Once in a blue moon <coughs> the Daily Mail come up with the goods yeah, and then so. the other time it's just me sending in random comments <laughs> they're like oh a journalist you're all racist yeah a journalist um, so I'm going to start this as I said this story is about the murder of Barbara Daly Bakeland so I will start there's a video I'm in she's in 
So on February 8th, 1907, Leo Henrik Bakeland made his first public, public announcement of the invention of a plastic made for, from synthetic components, which he called Bakelite. So the invention was revolutionary and changed production and the world forever. Bakelite was heat resistant and was used in kitchenware, jewellery, handbags, radio and telephone castings and firearms and like kids toys and fucking everything. Like this shit was used everywhere. He just changed the world with this this one invention. I'm going to change the world. You changed the world. Okay. Bakeland held the patent for Bakelite as well as over a hundred other patents which made him an incredibly wealthy man. Now, I couldn't find his net worth at the time but I know it was a fuck ton of money. Um, So, sorry. In 1889, Leo married Celine Swartz and they had two children, Jenny Nina Rose Bakeland and George Washington Bakeland. Woo! (laughs) He named ever the president. (laughs) Leo also had three grandchildren and one of them was George Middleton Bakeland or Brooks as he was affectionately known and he became really enamored enamored with the, like the society lifestyle like the high society drugs sex life is this uh, Leo murder. Bakeland that's him he was worth 1.8 billion dollars yeah well as of now so um, Brooks was born into wealth and made sure he experienced everything money could bring him Brooks was a playboy and spent his time sleeping with beautiful women, drinking and spending as much money as, a, as he possibly could. David Leaf in his Daily Mail article from 2008 said of Brooks, quote, Brooks Bakeland was an arrogant and aloof young man with movie star looks. He liked to say that, thanks to his grandfather, he had fuck you money. That means I need not please or seek to please anybody. So you can imagine he was a shining light. So as I mentioned earlier, Brooks had a penchant for a very beautiful woman, beautiful women. And in 1994, this led him to him meeting and eventually marrying Barbara Daly Bakeland. So we're going to talk about Barbara Daly Bakeland. So she was born on September 28th, 1921 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Barbara was born into a tumultuous and deeply tragic family. Her mother, Nini, had suffered with mental health throughout most of her life and had experienced a breakdown when Barbara was eight years old. Her father, Frank, completed suicide in 1933 when Barbara was just 11 years old. Oh my God. In order for his wife to receive his life insurance payout, Frank staged his suicide to look like an accident and purposefully... purpose After purposefully locking himself in his car and inhaling fumes from the exhaust pipe. How would that look like an accident? Because apparently it made it look like he had just fallen asleep. So the insurance company agreed that it was a terrible accident and Nini received a huge payout. Massive amount of money. Was this guy wealthy? Yeah. So after receiving the money, Barbara and her mother relocated to New York City. So Nini set her... Uh, set her and her daughter up in one of the most expensive hotels in New York City, the Delmonico. Oh, that's a great name. So Nini moved to New York for one specific reason, and that was to set her daughter up to marry a very rich man so they could live the rest of their lives in comfort. Okay. So that was her main goal. So by the age of 17, Barbara was considered a celebrated socialite. She caught the eye of a model recruiter and garnered shoots with well-known publications such as Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. Like, she's really beautiful. Her beauty and fun personality allowed her to mingle with the high society of New York and she became a permanent fixture in those circles. So was she just like a, like a society girl? Like an it girl. Oh. She attended parties regularly and dated many rich men. She was also named one of America's 10 most beautiful women, but I don't know by whom. 
like who makes her mom. The, who makes these lists? My mom said. My I'm mom's making a list right now, list. and she says I'm actually I'm, uh, actually gorgeous yeah. in the top five, <laughs> and uh, all the other people are just me, are <laughs> just dogs, like, and I'm the most yeah. important one. Uh, all the other people are actually just uh, lost German <laughs> Shepherd around Valley Fairman. <laughs> so Barbara's ultimate goal was to become an actress, and she received an offer for a screen test alongside famous actress Dana Andrews. Bet she couldn't fucking. She probably couldn't act. So unfortunately, the screen test did not lead to a role in the movie, but it did lead to her meeting Cornelia Bakeland, another aspiring actress and granddaughter of Leo Bakeland. Barbara and Cornelia became very close friends and it was Cornelia who would introduce Barbara Brooks to her younger brother, Brooks Bakeland. Brooks Bakeland. Brooks had joined the Royal Canadian Air Force as a trainee pilot and a barge was immediately smitten to his good looks and and money. So Brooks described Barbara as, quote, remarkably beautiful and staggeringly self-assured and that she had, quote, mischief in the blood. Uh, the two started dating and Barbara fell in love. The couple became the talk of New York. A beautiful, How fast did they fall in love? Oh, and then four, Tom, Tommy and Pammy. Four days. Four days. A beautiful young model and a rich pilot, both of whom led flamboyant lifestyles. However, it seemed, although that Barbara had fallen in love, Brooks did not just seem to be in the relationship for the long haul. So she was like, I love you so much. And he was like, I love drugs. I love you. I, I love, love money, money and drugs. That was until Barbara came to him to tell him she was preggers. Lies. Brooks, doing the honourable 1940s malarkey, asked Barbara to marry him. Fuck off. Straight away, let's get married. Abortions are available in the 40s. The wedding was lavish and Barbara was elated. She now had everything she had ever wanted. Brooks, on the other hand, had married a woman he did not love because he had gotten her pregnant. Except, <gasps> it turns out Barbara was not pregnant no at all. Way. She had told Brooks this life, uh, this lie in the hopes that he would marry her, and he did. Um, so what? I just put, yeah, I put in parentheses, I couldn't find anything regarding Barbara's fake pregnancy and how she eventually explained this lie. But one could deduct she told Brooks she miscarried at some point. So she did tell him she was pregnant. He was like, we better get married. And then she was like, um, oh, the baby's uh, gone. Um, baby's gone. So the marriage began happily, with the two still enjoying the same lifestyle and spending time with their famous friends, partying in Paris and Morocco with Tennessee Williams and Greta Garbo. So they were having sex parties with these famous people. So this uh, uh, Greta Garbo never attended a sex party. However, bang it! How dare you say it? So from David Leith in the Daily Mail, this is about one of their parties. At one gathering, the men hid behind a screen, hiding their faces and upper bodies, removed their trousers while their wives were required to guess which bottom half belonged to which husband. I couldn't tell you Graham's penis. <laughs> so been like, Not in a million years. I don't know. I'd be like, what? Uh, slap the shit out like like this. Yeah. What? <laughs> just run along, <laughs> like you know, Oprah yeah. when she comes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Dush. <laughs> so, however, their excessive lifestyles started to put a strain on their happiness. Both partook in drugs and excessive amounts of alcohol, as well as extramarital affairs. Drugs would have been like total, like prescribed. Then. Yeah, and it would have been like what's that shit? Uh, that drug that they all did in the 1900s cocaine no he used to smoke it opium opium that's what they were all doing like opium dens and shit like that so from the outside the two still appeared as glamorous and happy as ever but things were beginning to fall apart this is euphoria this entire episode pretty much wait you hear, wait you hear how this goes you're not gonna you're not gonna guess where this goes Jesus. trust me Barbara had suffered with mental health issues from an early age and in her teens she was sent to psychiatrist Dr. Foster Kennedy in New York 
Barbara had not told Brooks anything about her issues and he slowly began to learn that the woman he married was not who he thought she was. Barbara would have violent outbursts, deep depressions and moments of mania, most of which were towards her husband. Was she bipolar? Yeah, we think so, yeah. She continued to see Dr. Kennedy, but he admitted that he himself was unnerved by her behaviours. Now, this was in the 1940s, so let's remember that men thought a woman having an emotion other than I'm happy or bone me was unnerving. Like, mm. any woman that showed anything that was like, not saying that she wasn't, but I'm sure she was, but, you know, in the time where any woman showed anything other than like, I'm deeply happy and I want to have sex with you, it was like they had mania. Hysteria. You know? um, so it was never stated what illness Barbara was suffering from, but, you know, as you can kind of see that she had deep depressions like and very high highs. Moments of mania. So it could have been bipolar. Bipolar. Yeah. So, Brooks described Barbara as, quote, a wild animal. He told of an instance where the two had an argument because Brooks would not bring Barbara to her favourite restaurant. Barbara attacked him and the two began to wrestle. He said, quote, I held Barbara down with my foot on her chest and she sank her strong white teeth as deep as she could into my calf. It took at least a half hour for the adrenaline to burn out of her veins. So she was obviously very... She's also on drugs, lads. Lots of, lots of drugs. Brooks would also tell of how Foster Kennedy, when Foster Kennedy learned Barbara had married Brooks, he had allegedly allegedly exclaimed, God forfend that they have a child. So that basically means God forbid that they have a child. Oh. Now, just remember that this guy, Foster Kennedy, was a firm believer in eugenics and believed children with intellectual disabilities should have their lives ended. Oh. So he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And also Irish. Foster Kennedy. Yeah, he's Irish. He moved to America, but he was Irish. Take that out. I won't have a bad word heard about us. Fuck them. So, We're um, great people. <laughs> so God clearly didn't listen and was like, fuck this shit. And in 1945, Barbara fell pregnant. On so they August, had a baby. They had actually had a baby. So on August 28th, 1946, Barbara gave birth to her and Brooke's first and only child, Anthony Bakeland. Anthony Bakeland. And it's spelled A-N-T-O-Y. So not Anthony, Anthony. Anthony. Anthony yeah like the way you say it better yeah Anthony like that so Anthony's birth led to led to a reprieve of the tension between his parents they doted on their son and his abilities and talents became their new obsession they described him as intelligent and stunning he was he was beautiful and they, they would show off his most basic of schoolroom accolades to their friends with like a plum. So their friends would come over and they'd be like, look what he drew in school today. And it'd just be like a circle. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, one of those. They were obsessed. They thought he was like a genius. <clears throat> the People make- who take their kids are fucking geniuses. <laughs> these are, these are two of them here. I'm the total opposite. My mum and dad would be like, Sarah, that's very advanced. And I'd be like, ah, no, ah, calm no, down. <laughs> So the Bakelands wanted Anthony to be a genius. According to their friend Yvonne Thomas, they had lofty dreams of Anthony becoming a famous playwright or a painter or a polo player. Although Anthony did show promise, he was very intelligent and incredibly charming. His behaviour became somewhat worrying. Anthony suffered with a severe stammer and at the age of just eight years old, his father thought it would be a good idea to get his son to read aloud to him and all his like friends. Oh no! To help him gain confidence in his public speaking and maybe stop his stammer. However, the book Brooks would have his eight-year-old son read aloud was the Marquis de Sade's 120 Days of Sodom. Sorry? Yep. What? Yep. This gets so fucked up, dude. 
So he would have his kid reading that book. If you don't know what a Marky decides 120 days of Sodom, it is what it says in the tin. You can go have a Google. Um, but he would have his eight-year-old son going like around the house. Banned. Going around the house, reading that out loud to his friends and family. And obviously his friends were like, what the fuck? Were his friends like, what the fuck? Or were his friends like, this No, is a normal. lot of them were, but didn't say anything. Because he had money. Yeah. So friends of the Bakelands became increasingly concerned with what they would describe as sadistic behaviour displayed by young Anthony and encouraged by his father. Sure, he wouldn't know any different. He's eight years old. He's reading the fucking... He's a kid. 101 days of Sodom. 120 days of Sodom, baby. So one friend of the couple remembers uh, cutting ties with them as they watched Anthony pulling the legs off flies to see how it would affect their balance. Instead of scolding his son and explaining the cruelty, Brooks was instead proud of Anthony, believing this was a scientific experiment. Brooks described what Anthony, what Anthony did as marvellous. Barbara, having decided she had reached the heights she needed to in New York City, decided she wanted to travel to Europe and live a somewhat nomadic lifestyle. When Anthony was nine years old, his mother and his father began renting villas in the most expensive parts of Europe, meeting more famous and wealthy people on the European continent. Anthony, however, was largely ignored by his parents until they wanted to cart him out to his friend, to their friends to show him what a genius he was. So they just ignored him until they wanted to be like, look what Anthony did. Oh. And then they just pushed him back. So he didn't know what he was like getting all this love and then being rejected. Mm. Um, his par- her, sorry, his parents continued their lavish lifestyles, drinking and doing drugs while their son remained lonely and friendless in unknown city after city. Anthony seemed to be a show horse for their friends and not much else. He became very self-sufficient, but also started showing signs of reclusivity and his abuse on animals continued. Whilst in Italy at the age of 12, one friend of the couple mentioned seeing Anthony playing with crabs on the seaside shore. Quote, we saw him, saw him alone on the rocks playing with crabs, sort of pulling them apart, she recalled. In hindsight, it was an awfully creepy little episode, but his parents didn't really pay much attention to Tony. It's like ripping crabs apart. It's eight years old. As Tony began to make genius. His, yeah, genius. As Tony began to make his friends parents sorry, his parents' friends uncomfortable, his parents still could not see any issues with their son. That was until some rumours began to spread about Anthony. Oh. Brooks had begun to suspect his son was gay at a very young age, and at the age of fourteen it was confirmed. Some people had started to tell the Bakelands that they had heard rumours of fourteen year old Anthony sleeping with boys at boarding school. So, in parentheses, I have Anthony will go on to tell psychiatrists that he did his first sexual experience with another boy at eight years old. Oh my God. And was actively searching out sex at 14. Jesus. A friend of Brooks told them that a cook both families shared said that when the Bakelands were away and they left Anthony by himself, he would go outside, find men and boys on the street and bring them into the house for sex. He's 14 years old. This is euphoria. When Brooks told Barbara... This, she became completely enraged. She refused to accept her son's homosexuality and began thinking of ways to stop him from being gay. All right. So during this time, Barbara and Brooks' man at marriage began to fall apart once more. Brooks became desperate to find another par- partner and leave Barbara. While in Paris, Brooks met the daughter of a French diplomat and fell in love with her. He told Barbara of the affair and how he wanted to be with this woman. Barbara did not take this well and took an overdose. Do you know how old that girl was? He was 15 years his junior. So he would have been like 31, 32. So she would have been like 16, 17. That's insane. Yeah. So Brooks, fearing Barbara would kill herself, ended the relationship with the French child. Yeah. And stayed with Barbara. Brooks said, quote, wait, you hear what he said. 
faced with becoming a murderer for the sake of freedom, I gave up my girl. Oh, well done. Oh, Brooks. Brooks, calm down. You stop riding a young one. Give it up, Black. So, however, the affairs continued on both sides. Barbara attempted, continued to attempt suicide each time Brooks met another woman. So he would meet a woman, she would try to kill herself and then he'd be like, all right, I have to go back to her. She's going to kill herself. Absolutely horrific. So Barbara, hoping that Brooks would find her more sexually attractive, if he saw that other men wanted her, began an affair with the Spanish physicist. However, this backfired as Brooks was completely fine with the affair <sighs> and even offered Barbara a yearly allowance if she would divorce him and marry the Spaniard. Oh, God. Barbara then ended the affair, telling Brooks it was because the Spaniard, quote, couldn't park a car properly and his feet were too small. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Imagine having an affair. Just being like, I'm going to show him. And then he's like, if you divorce me, I'll give you money. <laughs> I'll give you money. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, alone. actually, no, I don't like the other guy anymore. Um, so the couple continued sleeping with other people throughout their marriage and Anthony to continue to grow up in a deeply toxic household. So Anthony inherited his mother's love of traveling and at the age of 21, he traveled to Kodakis. Kodakis? Kodakis? Kodakis. in Spain. Spain. I'm sorry, Spain, you're not listening to this. It was here he would meet and fall in love with 25-year-old Australian Jake Cooper. Jake's Jake's girlfriend at the time described described Jake, sorry, as, quote, the devil. Jake lived in an an abandoned farm with a group of hippies where they partook on various types of hard drugs. Oh. So he was like a little hippie leader. So Anthony, not ever having had many friends, became besotted with Jake and bought him and his friends gifts and drugs in order to be accepted into the inner circle. Whilst Anthony's parents were on a trip in Switzerland, Barbara's friend, Barbara Curtis, witnessed the hole that Jake had taken over Anthony and how Anthony was clearly being emotionally abused and used by this man. Curtis told Barbara, quote, he fed Tony drugs and Tony became his thing, his creature. He went off to Morocco with Jake and they brought back Belladonna, which is that deadly nightshade, and Tony ate the whole thing himself and disappeared under one's eye to a blob of quivering jelly. So Barbara immediately left Switzerland, returned to Spain, more concerned with the fact that her son was in love with the man than the abuse he was undergoing. That's awful. Barbara demanded Antony return to Sweden and with her immediately. And as the two tried to cross the border, they were stopped as Antony did not have his passport, having left in such a hurry. Barbara became violent towards the officers, hitting and spitting at them. The two were then arrested and spent the night in jail. As she was being taken away in handcuffs with her son, Barbara turned to him and said, quote, Here you are, darling, at last, manacled to mummy. She's a fucking weirdo. So Barbara and Anthony... What a good word. Yeah. Manacles. Manacles. Barbara and Anthony returned to the resort upon being released from prison. And the next person Anthony would meet and fall for would begin the ultimate demise of his parents' marriage. Oh, so he constantly, like, was meeting people and... Yeah, he was... I think he was just so lonely. Like, he was so fucking lonely. Like, he didn't have any friends because his parents kept moving. So he didn't have anywhere he could settle. And then his parents were completely fucked in the head. He was gay, but he was deeply confused and he didn't know what was going and on. And he wasn't allowed to be gay. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? So although Barbara and Anthony believed their son to be gay, it seemed Anthony was actually bisexual. Uh, would He would meet and fall in love with a French woman named Sylvia. Anthony fell hard for her and they spent a lot of time together. Barbara, hoping her son had been magically cured of the gay, was ecstatic for her son's burgeoning romance. She invited Sylvie over nearly every day to have dinner with the family. So they he only just met this girl 
And his mom was like, come over every single day. Oh, God. Giving her gifts and complimenting her, telling her she should marry Anthony as she would be rich for the rest of her life. He had known this girl a month. Like a month. Mm. Barbara, having Sylvie in her house almost daily, kind of backfired horribly as it was soon discovered that Brooks and Sylvie were having an affair. Oh, for fuck's sake. So his sake. own father was sleeping with his girlfriend. Barbara once again attempted suicide, hoping that Brooks would end things with Sylvie. This, however, did not work. Brooks did not come back to her and instead chose to be with Sylvie. FYI, Sylvie also attempted suicide. What? Thinking Brooks would return to Barbara, but he didn't. So everybody was just killing themselves over this man. What? It's just, it's insane. So Sylvie was like, I'll... Sylvie was like, if you go back to her, I'm going to kill myself. And he was like, I'm not going to go back to her. But she thought he was going to go back to her. So she tried to kill herself. And in the meantime, Barbara was trying to kill herself because he was with Sylvie. And their poor son was like, what is going on? Gets worse. Gets so much worse. So Brooks filed for divorce and Barbara was devastated. In her grief, Anthony became her next victim. She started to obsess about his sexuality once more, scheming ways to make him straight. Oh, no. Barbara decided the only way to fix her son was to have him sleep with as many women as possible. Oh, no. Barbara hired sex workers whom she paid to sleep with her son, or more correctly, paid them to rape her son, because that's what she was doing. Barbara uh, also asked women within her wealthy, gross people circle to seduce her son and have sex with him. No. Fucking obviously none of these things worked and Anthony was still attracted to men. Anthony's mental health began to deteriorate yeah, even well, further as his mother's abuses continued. Anthony began showing symptoms of schizophrenia and because Brooks did not believe in psychiatry, even though he knew his wife had attended one and he had paid for it, he refused to pay for Anthony to receive help so his mental illness went untreated. His own father was like, I'm not paying for this. It's, qu- it's quackery. Even though your wife was with the psychiatrist when you were with her. Yeah. Things were to get much worse for Anthony as his mother now decided to carry out the most vile of plans to get her son to cease his homosexuality. When Barbara and Brooks were finalising their divorce months previously, she had pulled Brooks aside and according to Brooks' sister, Elizabeth Archer Bakeland, told him, quote, You know, I could get Tony over his homosexuality if I just took him to bed. Sorry. Sorry. Excuse moi. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, it gets much worse. She's uh, excuse moi. Yeah, it gets much worse. So in 1969, Anthony and Barbara visited Mallorca. They spent the summer in a villa smoking weed, and Barbara made sure all of Anthony's time was spent with her. Barbara decided now now was the time to execute her plan, and after plying her mentally fragile son with drugs and alcohol. She took him to her bedroom and she raped him. Oh my God. Some would want to argue that he went willingly or he wanted to sleep with his mother. But this woman took her mentally ill son and had sex with him in the hopes of curing his homosexuality and in the meantime destroyed him as a person. A friend of Barbara's, Alan Harrington, received a call from Barbara telling him about what she had done. What? Quote, Barbara called me and told me that she'd slept with Tony. I said to her, I didn't think it was such a bad thing. I was trying to remove guilt, but now that I think of it, there wasn't any expressed. She rang her friends to tell her friends she had sex with her son. Had sex with her son. During this time, Brooks and his girlfriend Sylvie also visited Mallorca, unaware that Barbara and Anthony were there. When Tony realised his father was on the island, he began visiting, and his emotional and mental turmoil were very apparent. 
Sylvie remembered how sad he seemed. She said that at one point, Anthony had written a note to his father, almost childlike. It said, Daddy, please, Daddy, come back to Mummy. She's so unhappy. Anthony's rage, too, became very apparent. Various visitors to the villa mentioned seeing chairs smashed throughout the house, as well as Anthony's typewriter that he used to write poetry smashed on the floor. Barbara openly told people that Anthony was breaking everything in the gaff. She seemed to show no fear or worry towards her son. Like, he was angry. Like, breaking up the place. And she was like, la la la. I'm fixed my gay son. What? Fucking crazy bitch. So Barbara and Anthony returned to New York and Anthony's behaviour continued to become more upsetting. He enrolled in art school and during one art class, the professor had to call the college registrar as Anthony was completely unresponsive and would not speak to anyone who was trying to help him. He was, quote, in a world of his own. During another lesson, when Anthony's classmates were painting still life and flowers, Anthony's canvas depicted various people with blood pouring from their mouths. Okay. Barbara dismissed any concern that anyone had, assuring her friends that Anthony was just a misunderstood genius. What? So Anthony's college friends almost instantly recognised that something very unusual was happening between Anthony and his mother. Barbara would invite them over and show them photographs she'd taken of her son. One of Anthony's friends said of the pictures, quote, What struck me was the way the camera just dwelled on the beauty of this young man. They were not the sort of pictures a woman would, sorry, a mother would normally take of a son. There's actually a picture, a very famous picture of him online, where he's in a bath. And she shouldn't be taking a picture of him. He's like a teenager. And he's naked in the bath, like. I'm like, why are you? So another of Anthony's college friends remembered seeing a piece Anthony had painted of his mother. She was decapitated with serpents coiling around her neck. Oh, okay. So we know where this is going, right? Anthony seemed completely and utterly confused and scared. Just a parenting tip. Yeah. (laughs) Don't Uh, do any of this. Just don't do any of this. And also... (laughs) If your child starts to depict you in imageries... With your head cut off. Mm, something's wrong. Something's wrong. So, sorry, I'll just start I'm not again. an expert. <laughs> just spitball it. Just throwing it out there. So, Anthony seemed utterly confused and scared and angry. And one night confided in a friend, quote, I am fucking my mother. <gasps> I don't know what to do. I feel sorry. desperate. What? She was still having sex with him. During this time, Barbara, who was... Ush- I, thought, I thought it was like a one-off. No. no, 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 no. She was abusing him. So during this time, Barbara, who was utterly fucking oblivious to the torture she was putting her son through, thought it would be a marvellous idea to take a creative writing class and wrote a story about a sexual relationship between a mother and a son. She did not give a fuck what? of what she was doing to this kid. Soon enough, however, Barbara's obliviousness started to wane as Anthony's violence turned towards her. Anthony was highly agitated and seemed to be hallucinating. So Barbara arranged an inpatient care in a psychiatric hospital for her son. Anthony's prognosis was poor and more care was urgently needed. But after six weeks, he was released as Barbara could not afford the treatment. Brooks still believed that psychiatry was nonsense and told Barbara that their son was not mentally ill. He was just, quote, evil incarnate like why did you say that about your kid what and also you were the one that was cheering him on when he was torturing animals and making him read the Marquis de Sade you fucking piece of shit and also if he is evil incarnate why would you let him out yeah what the fuck are you why doing why would you be like leave him in the hospital yeah 
So upon release, Anthony seemed somewhat calmer, but the rage soon returned. One night, he followed Barbara to the living room where she was having a meeting with her lawyer and beat her unconscious with a wooden cane. When Barbara's lawyer tried to step in and help, Anthony beat him unconscious too. Oh my God. After this altercation, Barbara brought Anthony to a local hospital where they diagnosed him as schizophrenic. They told Barbara he would need extensive psychiatric care, but as Brooks was refusing to pay, Barbara was at a loss and Anthony was once again released into her care. So they didn't have any money to send this chap to, to, she didn't have any money to send this chap to get psychiatric care, but she'd money to be flying around the world and and signing up to fucking creative writing classes in NYU. Ah, sure, they're only cheap. Fucking stupid bitch. Dearest mama, <laughs> I have taken on a course. <laughs> so Barbara thought the best thing to do would be to move Anthony as far away as possible. And in 1972, and, yeah, and in 1972, the two moved to Kensington in London. Unsurprisingly, Anthony's behaviour worsened. Yeah. As he was still not being treated for and his And you're illness. moving him away from like, what little structure what little he does structure have. He had. Just as a side note, I said this already, but how can Barbara afford to move to the most expensive part of London but can't afford to treat her fucking son? Like the most expensive part of Maybe London. Maybe she was hoping to get the NHS. Yeah, of course. You know yourself. Anthony, I'm going there next year to get the Tito. Yeah. Um, Anthony began to regularly attack and assault his mother. He attempted to blind Barbara by sticking a pen in her eye during a fight. Oh my God. In another incident, Barbara arrived back at the house with her friend, Class and Kyle, the names. Tony appeared in front of them dressed only in his underwear, brandishing a large kitchen knife. He then proceeded to run around the house, ranting and gesturing the knife towards his mother. (gasps) Barbara arranged for Tony to see yet another psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Lindsay Jacobs. Dr. Jacobs once again diagnosed Anthony with schizophrenia and told Barbara matter-of-factly, your son is going to kill you. I think you're at risk. To which Barbara replied, I don't. Because she's dumb bitch. Barbara delusional. A dumb bitch. Dr. Jacobs was so concerned for Barbara's safety that he called the police and recommended they place an officer outside the residence in Kensington. He was told they couldn't do this unless a violent incident had actually taken place. But it did take place. Not violent enough. Okay. So even the psychiatrist was like, he's going to kill her. It's going to happen. Yeah. In July 1972, Sue Guinness, a friend of Barbara's, travelled to Kensington to meet her old friend and was met with a horrific scene. As she walked towards the path leading to Barbara's front door, she saw her friend laying on the pavement. Barbara was screaming and there was a lump of hair missing from her head. Sue watched as a man with a knife ran back into the house and closed the door. Sue recognised the man immediately. It was Anthony Bakeland. Sue held Barbara up and begged her to call the police, which Barbara did. Barbara then recounted to Sue what had happened. She had come home and as she took off her coat, Anthony had attacked her from behind. Barbara managed to get away and ran out of the house, but he chased her. Barbara tripped and Anthony took the opportunity to grab her by her hair. He dragged her towards the street, telling her he was going to throw her under a moving car. Barbara fought back. Anthony pulled a large chunk of hair from her head like he was dragging her along the ground with her hair. Barbara grabbed the gate that was at the house and held on so Anthony started slamming it back and forth and broke her thumb in three (gasps) places. He then decided this was not how he wanted to kill his mother. He ran back into the house and reappeared with a large kitchen knife. He walked towards his mother and it was then that miraculously Sue Guinness stumbled upon the scene. Anthony was arrested and charged with attempted murder. However, Barbara refused to press charges and he was once again released into her care. What? She's a f- it's just... Uh, 
So on November 15th, 1972. Did he tell the police that his mother had sex with him? Nope. Because that's illegal. Not yet. But he does. So on November 15th, 1972, Sue Guinness visited Barbara once again. She was still concerned and was convinced something terrible was going to happen to her. Barbara and Sue enjoyed a nice lunch where Sue pleaded with Barbara to please be careful and to consider having Anthony committed. Barbara disagreed. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Barbara disregarded Sue's fears, telling her, quote, he'll never harm me. You just he already did. did. He already did. He just fucking scouted you. So two days later, on November 17th, Sue Guinness's fears will be realised. At 1pm on November 17th, Barbara Daly Bakeland left her house in Kensington to meet her friend, Russian princess. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Missy Harnden. Anastasia. <laughs> for lunch. At 3.30pm, Barbara thanked Missy for a lovely lunch. She told Missy that Anthony would be cooking dinner for her that night and that she was very excited about it. And she left the restaurant. Just to know, in, at this dinner, um, or the lunch, Missy had been at like a party in Barbara's house a, day, a couple of days previous. And Anthony had like, was wearing all black and had painted like gold stars all over his clothes and his face and was like sitting in the corner rocking back and forth okay and she was like I need to talk to Barbara about this because something seems off but then Barbara was like at the lunch Barbara was like Anthony's amazing and he's having a great time and everything's wonderful and we're not and having and he's a beautiful artist and we're not having sex well he's a beautiful artist and he was in the corner and what he's he was doing was he was living in the moment of yeah. being uh, actually in the galaxy that's yeah. his new plan but then Missy because Missy she was so like Anthony's great and we're great Missy was like okay I'm not going to say anything but she knew something was up. They all knew. He was... The poor chap had schizophrenia. Like, he was so mentally ill. Nobody was helping him. He was also having sex with his Something raped by his mouth. So, at 7pm that evening, Missy received a con- phone call from the Chelsea police. Oh, God. They were asking her questions about her t- day, at what time she had entered and left the restaurant with Barbara. Missy was confused and asked what this was all about when the officer on the other line questioned, quote, how well do you know the, the deceased? Missy went cold and in total shock handed the phone over to her son. When he hung up, he turned to his mother and told her, Barbara Bakeland has been murdered. So at 5.15pm that evening, Chelsea Ambulance Services received a phone call from a man with an American accent. He told them his mother was laying on the floor and that she was unresponsive. He believed she was dead. The man then hung up the phone, proceeded to call a Chinese restaurant and ordered a takeaway. When the paramedics what arrived, <laughs> uh, what would I get? No, it's not one. <laughs> so when the paramedics arrived, about an hour later, an oh, hour, it's the seventies. They walked into a scene they were not expecting. A woman lay on the ground, covered in her in blood, and a man sat beside her eating Chinese food with blood all over his clothes. My God! The paramedics immediately alerted the police. When they arrived, did they get prawn crackers? They probably did. <laughs> Are prawn crackers the thing that you get everywhere in Ireland? I don't think so. It's like a spice bag. Spice bag's not even Chinese. Anyway. Something made up. So when they arrived, they took Anthony Bakeland into custody and began to question him over the stabbing and murder of his 50-year-old mother. He was just lying dead on the floor? Lying dead on the floor and he was eating Chinese. Covered in blood? Yep. Initially, Anthony told the police he believed his grandmother, Nini, was responsible for the murder. Nini was 85 and lived 3,000 miles away in New York City. Oh, he's so sick. He's so sick. Eventually, Tony relented and told the police what had happened. He said he remembered there was an argument and that he had hit Barbara. She then ran into the kitchen and he had followed her. He said that he had then grabbed a knife and stabbed her with it. As she lay dying on the floor, he sat beside her and held her hand. He then told the police that he believed he was under his mother's control, 
quote, I felt as though she was controlling my mind. Anthony was remanded to Brixton Prison and upon being visited, visited by his friend, he would ask them, how is my mother? Is she well? Like he was so sick, Sarah. He also told them that since his mother's death, he felt as though a great weight had been lifted from his shoulders. Yeah, of course, she wasn't raping him no. anymore. So Anthony appeared in the Old Bailey in 1973, charged with the murder of his mother. His lawyer, John Mortimer, tried to get him sent back to the US for psychiatric help. But instead, he was charged with manslaughter with diminished responsibility and sent to Broadmoor Hospital, a high security psychiatric hospital in Berkshire. Mm. Anthony seemed to do well whilst in the hospital. He was treated for his condition properly, made friends and even started to do art again. His grandmother Nini visited him and the staff noted that she did not seem very upset about her daughter's murder, but more concerned about Tony being in trouble. One doctor wrote, quote, she seems just as mad as the rest of the family. Oh, God. Nini refused to believe that Anthony had done anything wrong. Murdered her daughter. He murdered her daughter. And so did you. Listen to this name. Hugo Money Coots. <laughs> Coots was a politician. His family controlled Coots Bank and his mother-in-law was an old friend of the Bakelands. If Coots had not stuck his oar in... Anthony would still be in Broadmoor and what happened next could have been avoided. Coots and a group of supporters believed that, quote, Anthony's capacity for violence had been diminished once he had killed his mother. So they were like, he's killed his mother. He's killed his mother, it's gone, he's not going to kill anyone else. Coots' power and influence ensured that Anthony's case was seen and discussed at the highest levels of the British courts. And in 1980, Anthony was released and returned to the United States. So seven years later. So, and he was doing well while he was getting treatment. Well, he was, and then you hear this part. Okay. Brooks, his dad, however, was vehemently opposed to his son being released from Broadmoor. Brooks's new wife had bore him a son in the time Anthony had been arrested and sent to the hospital. Upon learning of his new half-brother, Anthony began making toys for him and sending them to Brooks. Brooks said he had to throw them away immediately as they were so macabre and disgusting. Oh, okay. Brooks also told the police that he had been receiving threatening letters from Anthony saying he would kill Brooks and Sylvie. Now, I don't know if this is true or it's just Brooks being like, I don't want him released from the hospital. Because Brooks clearly hates him. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I don't know. Um, Brooks Did we made... say what the toys were? No, but I would like to see them. I wonder if they were like the toys in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Could have been. So Brooks maintained that his son was not mentally ill, that he was just evil. Well, no, he is mentally ill. He is mentally ill, Brooks. Anthony returned to New York and moved in with his grandmother, Nini, in an apartment on the Upper East Side. His behaviour once again became unnerving. Anthony created a shrine to his dead mother, surrounded by candles and terrifying art he had drawn. He would kneel before it and mumble satanic chants as his grandmother stayed in her bedroom. He's so sick. So on July 26th, sorry, July 27th, Six days after Anthony's release from Broadmoor and four days after his return to New York, Nini's maid, Lena Richards, arrived at Nini's apartment to begin her daily cleaning. uh, Lena had been asked to give her key to Anthony whilst he stayed there. So she knocked on the door, waited for an answer. A few moments later, Anthony opened the door dressed only in his underwear. Lena, quick, he shouted, get an ambulance, I've stabbed my grandmother. What? Richards ran to a phone box and called the police. When they arrived, they found Nini laying on the ground, screaming, and Anthony standing above her. He was shouting, She won't die, the knife won't go in, and she keeps screaming, I can't understand. 
Nini had been stabbed eight times and her collarbone had been broken, but she survived. Jesus, Nini's a yeah. horse. When Tony was taken to the station, he told the police, this is horrific, he was just trying to have sex with his grandmother the same way he had sex with his mother. Oh my God. The police realised that not only had Tony tried to murder his grandmother, he'd attempted to rape her. That's <gasps> horrific. Anthony was arrested and charged with attempted murder and sent to Rikers Island to await his trial. Rikers. If you know anything about Rikers, lads. Fuck. It's fucking horrific. So did he get, did he die there? Just as in Broadmoor, Anthony seemed to find some sort of disturbing peace in prison. He seemed calmer. He also developed sexual relationships with a guard and a fellow prisoner who had raped and decapitated a young boy. Anthony had given almost $20,000 to these men in gifts, as well as giving money to other prisoners. So he was just throwing money away at them. To get What did he do to get that Jake guy to like him? Gave him money and presents. Yeah. It's all the only way he knew how to get love was to get this thing. So on the 20th of March, 1981, Anthony was told that his trial would be delayed by a further month due to a delay in his medical records reaching the courts. That same day at 3pm, Anthony Bakeland was found dead in his cell. A plastic bag was wrapped around his head and he was suffocated to death. It seemed to be another tragic suicide in his family's history. However, Brooks Bakeland did not believe that his son completed suicide, but instead that he had been murdered. Sounds like he was murdered. Maybe because he refused to give any more money to prisoners or because he was going to reveal his relationship with the guard. Anthony Bakeland was pronounced dead on March 20th, 1981. It is still not known if his death was a suicide or a murder. It kind of sounds like he was murdered. And that is the story of the murder of Barbara Daly Bakeland and the horrific shit that her son went through and then the horrific shit that he did. It's very horrible. Jesus. Yeah. It's a lot, right? Fuck me. Yeah, it's so weird because to go from like, money is, money is so corruptive. Like money fucks people up. Like that type of money does. Um, But she was No, all the, I think fucking your son <laughs> fucks them up. No, but in the sense that like. Like having sex with your kid is not cool. He was like, the only way he knew how to get attention and love was to like give yeah, money Yeah, no, to like people. his poor grandmother. Um. But his grandmother, yeah, just horrible. And imagine him saying to the police, you know... I was just trying to have sex with her like I did with my mother. mother. Like, she destroyed her son's life. Like, she led... Unfortunately, and I don't mean to victim shame, but she led to her own demise. What she was doing was making a chap with schizophrenia about 150 times worse. Yeah, no, Because he didn't know what was going on. 100%, like, she, like... Not getting him any help. She also was mentally unwell, Mm. But like she was also cruel. Yeah, and she didn't want to pay. Like she was like, I can't afford a psychiatric treatment. But you're throwing parties, you move into a house in you're Kensington. Hanging out with princesses. You're hanging out with princesses, and you can't afford to get your. Like she kept bringing him to hospitals and being like, and they're like, he's schizophrenic. And then she's like, okay, like you, that's not going to help him. You need to get him constant care. And if his father isn't paying for it, that's fine. But you need to cut back on other shit and put the money towards and stop having sex, stop raping him. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like she was so believed the hype so much about herself and thought she was just the most beautiful creature on the planet that she genuinely thought she could turn her gay son straight by having sex with him. That is insane. That is fucking insane. Like, and obviously his father calling him evil was also him being massively homophobic. Yeah. That's where a lot of that came from, being like, he's just evil incarnate because he's obviously gay. Because he's gay. Or bisexual or whatever he was, I'm not sure. But, um... Yeah, so that was that was a fucked up story. Another fucked up story that I read uh, after the Jameson one. Yeah, thanks very much. That's You're welcome. Very good. 
Uh, it's a lot of information now. <laughs> I'm need, sorry for a horrible story. Um, I need to process it. It's just, it's a lot. And there's a very, very good book called Savage Grace. It's actually a movie as well. A true story of incest and murder among the wealthy elite. There's a fucking movie yeah, about this? Julia, Ju- no, I'll tell you who's in it. By Natalie Robbins and Stephen L.M. Aronson. And there's a movie called Savage Grace. And that guy is in it. What guy? Army Hammer? Nope. Uh, Eddie Redmayne? Julianne Moore, Hugh Dancy. Um, there's a thing of it. Does Julianne Moore play fucking his ma? His ma. Yeah, buddy. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched the movie. I don't know anything about it. Looks like it was filmed on a fucking <laughs> EastEnders. Um, I just think that story really, really, really fucked me up when I read it, and I just can't begin to imagine being that poor kid like I just feel so bad for him you know it's terrible and it's so weird where they're like we can't believe he turned out like this uh, no you're the reason he turned out like this so yeah. maybe get him some fucking help um, but yeah that's my story for this week and sorry if that upset anybody and I don't mean to uh, trigger anybody or upset anybody but that was, was a really fucked up story so you did a good job thanks anyway what's your plan for the week um work any other nice plans no, I have no other plans I'm not doing anything I'm going to work and then I'm not doing anything for the weekend because I've done shit for the last like fucking three weekends I'm not doing anything I'm sitting on my Todd oh I'm jealous what are you going to do for the weekend uh, are you going to do one thing I did have plans I can't remember what they were does a storm are coming is there a storm are coming two storms storms oh, are damn it wait till you hear the names of these storms go storm Dudley storm Eunice Eunice yeah yeah, I know. Like, Storm Dudley is like 80 to 90 mile per hour winds. Oof. And Storm Eunice is like 70. What are they hitting? Like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, so my expectation is, for me, is that work's going to be terrible. Oh, shit. And your expectation is... It's going to be terrible. Uh, because nothing can move through the yep. ports. Fun times. We're all having a great time, lads. Yeah. Work is a nightmare, me, but truly I tell you what, all that shit you'd be buying... <laughs> Me and Emma are fucking supplying it. We're sicky. We're fucking in the fucking sticks. Getting the shit we are. out the fucking door. You're welcome. Yeah. Um. That fucking shit you're buying on the internet late at night. When you're like, oh, I just want this little I thing. Just, I need to feel something. Uh, I'm just going to order this little thing that I want. Yeah, me and Emma are fucking in uh, the motion and yeah. moving that shit around the world. We'll get it done. We grant. Genuinely. Storm storms are, it's, it's amazing how storms there's people that their jobs would never be affected by a storm yeah, and also but as like, soon as I hear there's bad weather I'm like for uh, fuck's sake yeah. um, me and Emma are genuinely we're causing, in it we're in the trenches lads yeah but we're genuinely causing harm to the environment we are we're destroying the world like uh, have a lovely week <laughs> <laughs> stop buying shit on the stop internet stop buying shit <laughs> um, and if you are out in storm, be safe. Wales okay. is going to get it quite bad. Scotland's going to get it quite bad. So dear Fabio needs to be get hammered. Uh, stay at home in his house. Yeah, I know, but you never know. No, you might go out in the balcony, and blow away. No, there's no balcony. He's in his gaff. Right. in his house. Be grand. He say, "Hey Emma, hey, don't go outside." Yeah. And the weather is so bad. He said something to me the other day when I was over, or the last time I was over, and it was because his accent. He doesn't sound like a Brazilian person speaking English. He doesn't. But he said something to me, and I was like, "It was like it was a." I'm not in that position, eh? That's what he said. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? It was the most Brazilian sound and he has ever, and he knew himself. He was like, oh, you know, that did sound really... That's very Brazilian. I'm not in that position, eh? Because so he, <laughs> he said Brazilian people who learn English, they put E's at the end of words. Oh, okay. So they go, I go to the shop. That's what they say. 
So they put like a little, and he he said positioning. Why did you, why did you put the e's on the end? I don't know what it is, but he he taught English to people, so he was like he would try not that he was not like, to, I'm do not to do it, but he did it himself, and I was like, that's the most Brazilian I've ever heard you be. Um, so that's yeah, and then there was something I was going to do, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, the Batman movie's coming out next month. It's a fuck. The new Batman movie, yeah. Oh, I don't. With uh, what's his face, the man who wanks in the shed. Dark superhero. Yes, my parents are dead. Uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter is Catwoman. Beautiful, Zoe Kravitz. Yes, a babe of a human a being. A babe. I said to Graham today, we're driving. Stunning. Home. I said, uh, do Catwoman and Batman have sex? Oh, do they? And he said, uh, do they bone? And he said, um, I don't know. Do they go to bone? I said, time? I'm not going to see this movie unless there's boning in it. <laughs> do you find him attractive? Pat- well, no, his name's not Patton's Oswald his name is like <laughs> what's it? Robert Pattinson Robert Pattinson ah uh, no Oswald Cobblepot Oswald Cobblepot <laughs> um, um, no I don't find him attractive but I they do they saw my face <laughs> I do think he's cool do you? I do think he's a cool guy what do you guy. think he's cool about him? I just don't think he cares I think he doesn't take it seriously apparently he says that he makes up an awful lot of shit in interviews yeah and he doesn't take acting seriously he's not like oh he does he's not like that no, he wanked in a shed yeah, in that but movie he, he said that he, he hates he hates method acting and he hates all that bullshit what's he doing hanging around William fucking Defoe? because William Defoe is a genius William Defoe is a genius that movie I'll tell you something about that Lifehouse no, movie don't tell me anything about it I'll tell you something about go it go on tell me I don't know what the fuck was going on A B I just kept thinking these fuckers Dink, <laughs> and I couldn't stop thinking, and I was like, "I know they smell so bad." Yeah, that's all I could think throughout the entire movie. You stink. Uh, oh, you I could stink. think about. It. And then I thought they were gonna bone. Yeah, I thought that was maybe where it was, was heading. Like, all I could think about the entire movie was the vagina on the mermaid was yeah, unnecessary. That was fucked me up, man. And uh, did he ad lib this entire scene? <laughs> Um, Willem Dafoe apparently uh, like there's a scene in it like where he like it was all one take and apparently he ad-libbed the whole thing Willem Willem Dafoe's a ginormous penis what yeah that's one of the things that he's very famous for make up for that face because but people find that face attractive <laughs> I'm joking Willem I think he's a good voice Willem's a regular listener and Willem Willem's I'm really re- sorry Willem, we <laughs> apologise profusely buddy it's a joke you know we joke we joke <laughs> on this show you know we just be joking it ain't true Willem Willem God well, makes us all beautiful <laughs> I didn't know he had a big penis. Let's call this episode Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I call this episode Willem Dafoe has a huge dick. Doesn't <laughs> I just have to write it into and my Yeah, home. Madonna was in a movie with him. And oh, I remember. She yes. like produced a movie or something and she was like, I'm requesting Willem Dafoe because he's a giant penis. Madonna, but you know what? I can get behind Madonna's energy Willem on that Dafoe one. Willem Dafoe has a giant penis. <laughs> and uh, Apple Podcast, will I take that down <laughs> I've tried to put up stuff before and they won't let me. Well, like what? Because I put in swear words and they don't let swear words in. Oh. Me. So I'm like, for fuck's sake. Fuck's sake, Do you know how many times it took me to type ghost wank before they actually let me accept <laughs> it? Like, so many times. I was like, just let me say ghost wank. Ghost wank's a real thing. Yeah, of course it is. We all need to be aware. <laughs> it really happens. This is a PSA. PSA, public service <laughs> announcement. Do you suffer from ghost wanks? <laughs> well let me oh, tell you no, what I did I'm thinking of ghost wank and then that made me think of Ghostbusters where uh, he gets a blowjob from a ghost Ivan Reitman died and I'm really sad about it it's Ivan really Reitman old. died yeah. Emma R.I.P. Ivan you know what I'm going to say Sarah said he lived, lived a good life <laughs> he lived a good life he time. achieved it was <laughs> if anybody dies over the age of 50 Sarah's like come on you know 50 years is a lot um, 
He lived a good life and he achieved many things. He did, but I just feel sorry for his son. Like by the time like, I'm you know, Ivan Reitman's age, when I die, people will be like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't really do a uh, Poor Jason Reitman. I just feel bad for him. He was like, and Ivan Reitman was such a lovely man as well. His son. He's a director as well. Okay. Yeah. Living off the coattails. Living off the coattails. He's a good director though. What's he director? Did you ever see a movie Thank You for Smoking? Yes. He did that. It's very, very good. He's done a couple of other movies as well, yeah. So well, now I feel bad. And he just did the new Ghostbusters movie as well. Oh, that's terrible. The, I haven't seen it. It's terrible. It's awful, is it? A shy. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one with uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Uh, this, I don't We're know. We're the sexiest man. I don't know what this has turned into at the end of this. This is just me <laughs> having fun. <laughs> We know how to do that horrible incest story. I have to bring the mood oh, up, Emma, so we can get a non song. So we can actually Colin. get off this. Yeah, he, Colin, you put, can put a song at the end of this one. Just put Colin, the song, put the, the song at the beginning that he sang, I liked. Oh I my liked. god, yeah, Colin, put in the song and don't the edit it. Don't edit it, that's the song. Don't put any music over no, it, just, just that. Us. Please. It's just, um. it's just, you ever seen that TikTok <laughs> of uh, it's like, um, do, 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 do. Yes. it's just the Tim whistle. <laughs> it's like so early done. That's our life. I love that. Or the guy is playing the Titanic theme on the recorder. On the recorder. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Um, that's everything. Everybody have a nice week. Uh, enjoy life. Oh, we have to do a Patreon shit. Oh, last week on the Patreon, uh, Colin told the story of, oh my God, what's the name of the murder? Amityville Horror. Uh, but what was the name of the murders? Amityville murders. murders. Okay, so the murders, uh, the Amityville murders. So he did that last week. So that's the first part of the story. And now he's doing a second installment about the Amityville hauntings. So if you want to join the Patreon to hear that, he actually did a really, really good job. Yeah, it was really I like, fun. I like when Colin does it because he gets clips. The clips are, d- I don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, lads. Just don't do Sarah it. Sarah can't do it with clips. I can't. And they, like, they just, he doesn't warn no, you. they come out of nowhere and they're terrified. Like you're walking around a <laughs> fucking shop and you're like, are you fucking shitting me? He did the one with the, what was the haunting? Oh, and the English one. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and he put in I clips of that. I was lying in bed in the dark. Yeah, no, it's terrifying. Uh, but this is okay because the clips that he put in the last episode are just people talking about the murders. This week's episode, I'm sure, will be quite scary because he's putting in clips of like things. You know, that I won't be listening. I'm going to take like part that. in the episode, <laughs> but I won't be listening to the, the clips. episode. Um, but yeah, he's done a really, really good job. And if you want to join, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash murder most Irish, six euro a month. If you don't want to join, that's fine. Just it's out there. Hey, listen, that's cost of living's gone up, so we're hiking prices. <laughs> 9.50 per month it's now uh, we have to pay in, in my electricity bill is fucking insane inflated electricity oh the cost of living would want to calm down do you know what I don't get about the cost of living go is we've been here before yeah and it never ends well no Mm-mm. like Becky got the keys to her house yay congratulations to my little sister she just got the keys to her new house finally after like fucking two and a half years and she's moving in hope it's not haunted hope it's not haunted Becky yeah she's gonna be raging when she hears that yeah Becky I hope it's not haunted you better get a priest in <laughs> like get Becky ignore her on Domino's on Domino's get the priest in Becky um, but that's everything yes say goodbye the power of Christ compels you uh, um, and you know what another good news story Go. Cool. Nikita doesn't have the clap Colin <laughs> 100% cut that out this, that child distanced this she doesn't have the clap does she not no good okay, okay. Back, but now we have to figure out what it is she's they think the that there's something like no she is so the oh, doctor is like we have to do all these tests and then if it's not that we do something else but she was like I've always bled bled during sex God. And she said, I've always felt uncomfortable during sex. Oh, no. She said it was just normal. And now that she lives with no, two other girls. No, that's not normal. The two other girls are like, no. No, that shouldn't hurt. 
Anyway, that's the end Funny of this kid. week's episode. Anyway, everybody have a lovely week. Everybody have the best Happy Christmas. week. Happy Christmas. Bye, everybody. This is what you can bring to the um, the meet and greet. Who says I don't do a song anymore? <laughs> <laughs>